Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built. And we are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major places you can find podcast content. You can find us. Also, please connect with us on social media. You can follow us at Longhorn Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, the Longhorn Republic Podcast, and shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Well, my name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who's more excited than Tom Herman getting Popeye's chicken sandwiches, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Popeye's? It's it's Popeye's? Yeah, baby, it's Popeye's. Um, I think I may have been actually as excited, equally excited as Tom Herman. I, I There was a Melda in Houston not long ago, and everything in the city was relatively closed down. I didn't get to leave the office uh, in downtown Houston until about 7 because the floodwaters had come up and, and blocked me. And anyways, driving home, giving my wife play-by-play live updates so that she knows I'm safe, and I drive past the Popeyes near my home, and obviously there had just been a tropical storm and, and 20 inches of rain deposited, but my brain immediately thought, hang on, there's a 30-car line at Popeyes. Do these people have sandwiches? Uh, but, but again, no, I think it was just that they were able to be open and people wanted food wherever they could get it, but Popeyes sandwiches are the real deal. I'm I'm just I'm shocked that people it took people this long to really fall in love with Popeyes like a two piece Tuesday spicy Absolutely. with a biscuit and some dirty rice like where are you at like what have you been doing with your life? It, like, it, it's so odd that that other chicken joints have stayed in business. No no shouts to uh, KFC churches whoever wants to sponsor us, but Popeyes is just so infinitely better. If you take like French Frenchies or like local chicken joints out of the equation there is no better accessible fried chicken in the country than Popeyes you heard that here first folks one day I will go to the last remaining Popeyes chicken buffet in Lafayette Louisiana I'm surprised that you haven't already with the with the uh, love that you have for the state of Louisiana Kyle I'm surprised that that had that pilgrimage hasn't happened uh, does Texas play uh, Louisiana Lafayette anytime soon? Uh, no, but they, they do play LSU uh, next year in Baton Rouge. And Baton Rouge to Lafayette ain't that far. So uh, it could happen. It should happen. Road trip. I smell a road trip. Uh, so Texas is actually going on a road trip this week. We're into our preview show finally. Feels like it's been uh, two weeks or so. Uh, but Texas going on its first true road test of the year. Heading to Morgantown, which is basically Mars, to take on the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, Texas opens up favored by 11.5 uh, over the, the Mountaineers. Uh, who lost to Missouri 38-7, to managed to eke out a win against the Kansas Jayhawks 29-24. to uh, Kyle, Dana Holgerson saw that he was unable to recruit and the cupboard was completely bare and cut bait and ended up in Houston. Uh, so I'm not feeling too uh, too apprehensive about this weekend, other than the fact that some of these guys have never played outside of the state of Texas uh, in their entire lives, some of them. Yeah, that's a really good point. This is Texas' first true road game. Um, 
really yet yeah, first road game outside of texas friendly confines um and and you just jump right into going to a different planet as we like to say playing the game on mars things get weird um in general there i'm actually glad this isn't a night game because that place is weird no matter what but a little daylight makes you feel tethered to the realm of earth um i uh the only other factor that I could see making this game closer than it should be um, is is if anyone is disobeying coach's orders and thinking about next week. Again, I hate the, the trap game, you know, nomenclature. Every team has big games on the schedule. Every team has the capacity to win the games that lead up to that game. That's fine. I think Herman is probably really reiterating that you can't do that. Hopefully the kids are listening. But that's the only other factor I could imagine. Um, imagine making this one crazy because, I mean, like you said, they did beat the mighty Kansas, which makes you fear them a little bit, 29 to 24. But they also only beat James Madison, who, to their credit, is a very good FCS team. But again, is an FCS team by a touchdown. They did beat an NC State team that's, I think, the 3-1 and one record and the win over NC State makes people think, Wait a minute, is this West Virginia team any good? But West that NC State team has beat two two uh, directional Carolinas. They beat East Carolina and something called West Carolina um, in their in their couple wins, and I think that's their only wins of the season. They may have one other uh, small win, but nonetheless, you know, it's uh, I don't know what their quality win is so far this season. So let's make it not Texas because they don't like us. Yeah, none of uh, none of their wins qualify as quality. I would say probably this year, and they're like. Tom Herman is, I think, six and two in true road games uh, since he's been at Texas, which is uh, which is a big deal. And I think he said something in the Monday press conference that like once you once you kick the ball off, like football's mm-hmm. football, right? Whatever, it's the same field, it's the same rules. Uh, so really, it's not a a disadvantage if they don't make it one. But again, uh, West Virginia is a team that fancies itself a rival to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, my biggest worry is that this game has been circled on their calendar for 365 days-ish since Will Greer and that whole shenanigans happened last year. Like I feel like this game is bigger on their schedule than it is on Texas's, and I think that's the one thing that worries me about the matchup. If you remember the old, uh, really the last couple times that the Arkansas Razorbacks have, have taken on the Horns, if there is a rivalry that is very much realized on one side, unless that team is A&M, who Texas has like a 76-37 to 37, uh, or whatever victory over. But otherwise, if there's a rivalry that one team really feels and the other doesn't, um, that could be dangerous. Arkansas put the boots to Texas a couple times because on their schedule, that's a huge rival going back to the old SWC days. And West Virginia literally has pictures of all of their uh, opponents written out with the Texas one flipped upside down. So the horns are down. Like, they take this stuff pretty seriously even before the horns down penalties i have co-workers who um or a co-worker who who is a west virginia fan and, and as soon as they got in the big 12 they started calling us their rival um i don't know why uh i i again we we had that that study at the beginning of the year i no no team suffers more fools who think they are you know the rival of 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 that team than, than the texas longhorn so i i get that but uh but yeah, Texas Texas lost a heartbreaker by a point last year. Texas actually trails in this series all time five to three. So there's some there's some putting right that uh, that UT needs to do, and I hope that that's what Herman is focusing on and saying, leave no doubt. Let's get the starters out. 
leave no doubt. Yeah, Make I'm, this a 30 I'm, pointer. I'm of the camp that I think you take over. I think Texas probably wins by more than, than 11 and a half. I think this line probably shifted a little bit, but like West Virginia is just not their Their offense is struggling this year. Um, we're used to West Virginia being a very high powered team and they're averaging 25 points per game, which I believe they're last in, in the conference in total offense with 326 yards per game. Like they're just, they're not the high powered team that we've seen in the past. And anytime West Virginia has beaten Texas, it's been because West Virginia had the ball last. Like they, they've just won a shootout. And so I think that's the difference with this team. There's not Austin Kendall is not Will Greer. Like that's there, there is, and I think that's the the thing that we, we want to dial in on for a little bit. So um, the Texas defense has, has played really, really well. Um, I guess in the last couple of games, they really shut down one of the best offenses in the country. I'll go and say it. Uh, Oklahoma state is low key. Uh, Chuba Hubbard went for basically 300 yards against Kansas state. He was, I think 294 yards. I think is what he topped out at, um, which is just stupid. Um, and then Tylen Wallace was leading the nation in receiving before he hit the Texas Longhorn defense. So uh, what do you think is a key matchup in that, that offense or the, the West Virginia offense versus the Texas defense, as we look at uh, how Texas can, can kind of make a state, in their their second conference game well look i think i think todd orlando has something to prove um he's shown the last two seasons really that he can stop teams that play something of a traditional um offense and right in the big 12 where you have all these spreads and we're seeing a regression to where it's not just an air raid air it out all the time the the pendulum has swung back to where you're seeing actually some good running backs and some really good running uh attacks in the big 12 and todd orlando is at the vanguard of how you counter that he is I think, you know, Gary Patterson could, could have some conversation about this, but the, the best at stopping the run uh, in the Big 12, specifically I said there, the run the past two seasons. I think um, what they did against Chuba, I think they've done that. They did that to Iowa State. Uh, last year they've done that to um, Oklahoma in years past. They've done that to a lot of uh, teams that really pride themselves on running the ball. And, and Neil Brown historically – likes to run the ball a little bit more than a true air raid team. But this year, their rushing game is just not great at 107 uh, and some change yards per game is last in the conference. Three, they're averaging a, a Chuba Hubbard S 3.25 a carry. Um, again, Chuba does triple that against anyone, not UT. Um, and, and their best running back is averaging, you know, under 38 yards a game, Kennedy McCoy. So that said, it's not like, Oklahoma State, who was absolutely des- you know, um, determined to get the running game started, and Todd Orlando said, oh, no, you don't. I think Brown might come out and just say, you know what? After a quarter, if we can't run the ball, we're just going to sling it around. And uh, I worry that in its worst iteration, that could give Texas enough trouble that this becomes a shootout. In my most optimistic version of this story, I think that this is a chance for Texas to prove that they can line up out-athlete people, even with some injuries in the secondary with three key guys out, they're deep enough that they can shut people down. And this is a really good opportunity for Jamison at cornerback, for uh, Estelle getting in there, for uh, for these guys coming back off of injury, for you know our linebackers who are good in pass defense, for um, you know for these players to step up and show, look, there's a reason we were, we were highly recruited. There's a reason, you know, we came to Texas. There's a reason that this has been vaunted and lauded as one of the best, deepest secondaries in the country. This is a chance for them to beat their chests a little bit. And I'm really hoping uh, that they, they take advantage of a former OU quarterback and, and, and have something to say. 
I think there's something to be said for this could be the game where the Texas secondary kind of finds its footing, especially like you said, with, with guys like Stearns out, uh, Overshone still probably sidelined. Uh, he was, uh, in the Monday press conference said he was doubtful. He practiced Tuesday. They're still trying to evaluate and see what happens. Uh, so he's probably not going to play. And, and to be honest with you, if you don't need him, don't play him, let him rest one more week. Um, but a guy like BJ Foster being able to shake some of the rust off after an injury. And I think Foster, coming back lets Texas do a little bit more in the secondary because we saw uh, Brandon Jones kind of go out to the nickel uh, with with the injuries there and so Foster and you know Brown maybe at, at the at the safety spot and you have Brandon Jones closer to the line like I, I think this is a spot for the Texas secondary to really get its groove back before it goes into probably the only test, the true only true test of the regular season, maybe Baylor in a few weeks after that. Uh, but but OU is going to be the one that, that really kicks the tires. And so I think them being able, a guy like Foster, who's played really, really well in spots, um, needs, to, needs to get his groove back before he's truly tested against OU. And I think that's the biggest thing uh, for Texas. And you mentioned that the defensive line, this is a defensive line that doesn't, they they pressure the quarterback, but they don't get their hands on the quarterback very much. And I think as Texas goes through conference play, that's something that they're go- going to need to shift a little bit. Roach uh, and, and Graham, and, and they, they do a really good job of pressuring from the outside there. I think two of the top uh, pressuring defensive ends, but they, they struggle to get their hands on the quarterback. So I think that's going to be a differentiator uh, going through if they can do that against OU, if they can do that against Baylor, if they can do that. Again, this weekend against West Virginia, that's going to be great. And again, I don't think the Texas run defense is going to have much of a struggle with West Virginia because I don't know if there's a guy on that West Virginia line that can match up with with Keandre Coburn I don't know if there's two guys who can no I I, I honestly uh I honestly see some pressure coming from the line but I think this might be a chance for Orlando too to get uh if you get early after the quarterback you get some of those those defensive uh you know he was doing some corner blitzes kind of in Chuba Hubbard run support if you throw some of those either Nickelback Nickelback or uh, or Joker or uh, cornerback blitzes and, and are able to get speed coming at Greer I know he gets rid of the ball real quick but if you can get him get him on the ground a couple times, then all of a sudden, you know, his eyes are just darting a little bit and maybe, you know, those quick, quick passes that he, he kind of is, is, is really been, uh, finding his only success on this reason has really been on the quick, short passes. Um, I think they're averaging about six yards per attempt, uh, this season. So, I mean, if they can do that, then I think it opens up your, your pick from last week where all of a sudden you're rushing a pass or you get a tip pass, you have a quarterback getting hit or hurried and you start to get that turnover battle back in play, which again, Special teams is not going to be the issue this week. I know it. So I want to see Texas win that turnover battle for sure. Absolutely. And, and I think that that also swings to the offense because Texas had some uncharacteristic turnovers last or I guess last, last week against Oklahoma State. Uh, they struggled. Sam Ellinger overthrew-ish Malcolm Epps. And then, the, the I guess, on special teams, they had two fumbles as well. So I think... Texas taking care of the ball on the offensive side. And let's just go ahead and switch there because uh, the West Virginia defense is allowing more points than their offense is averaging. They're giving up 25.5 points per game, uh, 370 yard, 374 yards per game, um, and 201 of those coming through the air. Is this a game where Sam Ellinger continues to just put up monster numbers? Like there's there are 
West Virginia outlets, uh, hashtag Barstool's not that good, uh, making jokes about Sam Ellinger's Heisman quality performance. Do you think this is a statement game where Ellinger comes out and goes, we'll say 20 of 25, 20 of 24 for like 280 and four touchdowns? I think this is a statement game just because they're such a significantly better unit than West Virginia's defense. Even if they'd all kept their mouth shut and there wasn't anything to prove, I think Ellinger would eat this week. But I think for sure, um, you know, there's going to be tons of horns down. The fans are going to be obnoxious. Uh, It's going to be, you know, the, the players might even you know, have a couple words. I hope they don't. I hope they're smarter than that. But uh, it, there's going to be plenty of reason. Ellinger is being overlooked. He, he is uh, just kind of quietly putting on a, a fantastic season. And I think the thing that he's done this year that's impressed me so much is, you know, make big plays when he has to, but take what the defense gives them. Um, and, and I really, truly think um, that, you know, they're going to – they're going to do pretty much what you said. They're going to be efficient. They're going to run the ball well, which will which will open it up for Ellinger just to find the receivers. I think you're going to see uh, obviously the the weapons without Colin Johnson, but but with Devin Duvernay there, um, who again, Duvernay has 39 catches. He leads the country in receptions. He got added to the Bolitnikov watch list. Um, I mean, just just an, an unbelievable. Uh, player who I think is leading the country in, in, in broken tackles after the catch. Just he's doing it all, like we said. So um, I don't know what West Virginia has. They they lost their best. We talked in the preseason preview. They lost their best. Um, their captain of their defense um, transferring out basically right before the season. So, I mean, they were in a bad state. There was a reason Holgerson left, and then they lost more. So I, this will – Texas will be by exponents – the best offense that they have faced all year. They may be twice as good, actually, as any as any offense they've they faced. If if Kansas um, or I guess maybe Missouri is your is your bell cow there, then then Texas will be exponentially better. Yeah, and I think that's that's the thing that I want to see from the Texas offense is that I need them to look exponentially better. I think they they can be and they have the potential to be, but if they if they play down to their competition, which they haven't done as much this year, but they're still uh, there's still some of that stink on them, I guess is the only way I could say it from mm. the last couple of years, then this could be a weird game in West Virginia. Again, this would make their entire season. They could lose the rest of their games from here on out. If they went four and eight against against the rest of their schedule, but beat Texas that they call it a successful year. And so yeah. the offense needs to come out and be dominant. And I think uh, Keontae Ingram has looked looked really, really good against uh, against Oklahoma State. And I think this is a game where he could continue to find his groove. I think this is a game where um, he can set the pace for the offense and really establish himself even more so heading into a, a OU game where Texas absolutely has to be balanced, you know, West Virginia's given up 172 yards on the ground, and Keontae Ingram, kind of the mantra for him uh, with the coaching staff, is slow to the hole, fast through the hole, which is exactly what he needs to do. And I think this is going to be a great game uh, for him to to continue to hone those skills. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a mental game for him. I think there is there is a real good chance that that offensive line continues to make those holes real big and apparent, and he can practice that mantra all day. Uh, Roshan, who you know, Herman kind of had the the conversation that said, "Hey, it's your decision, your career. Uh, you got to make a decision." Um, and he said, "Am I still going to be able to help the team?" So, so 
really sounds like a, a, a Roshan is not redshirt for any folks who worried about that, but two running backs uh, who are ready to eat, and I think this is a perfect opponent for them to do that. Um, the only deterrent to go back to your Sam Ellinger's uh, ridiculous you know, statistical game is if he only gets 230 yards because we run for so many, right? That That is that is the, the other thing on the table. I think that offensive line um, is really, really matched up well, um, both in pass protection and run protection against what the West Virginia defense does. So I feel pretty confident Texas just needs to continue to be efficient, get big chunks on first downs to make those third downs manageable. So they continue to be uh, to be great in that area and even improve. Um, and, and, you know, as long as you don't have Colin Johnson, you know that the offense is going to be a little bit different. You might be looking um, more in those seams, especially, uh, you know, with, with Jake Smith. A potential to to get a hitter maybe Duvernay finally gets a big long deep one he's got a ton of catches but um doesn't have the uh, the 60 yarder that some of his compatriots have um you know so i uh i think that i think there's just a chance that something special is going to happen for this offense absolutely and, and i think that's that's going to be i just i just need the offense to continue to build because i think they look better and better each week and i think that's what uh we need to see so kyle before we get into our firing smoky predictions like what do you think as we look back if if this goes the way that it should um what would you consider a measure of success for texas when we're when we're kind of decompressing on sunday morning or saturday evening watching the late games like what would you what would you say made this a successful outing for the texas longhorns if, if if there's any chance to continue getting younger guys playing time, if again, I'm not calling this like a, a pre-conference game that I'm expecting a four-score lead, but, you know, if, if Casey Thompson gets to see the field in the fourth quarter at the end, if there's a, you know, a healthy three-score lead or something, if, if you know, it's it's 17 points and you're, you're able to get a series with the other guys, I think more than anything, and it sounds cliche to say this, but after after last week, it's just that no more injuries added to the injury report. You know, it's uh, the bye week again was so unbelievably crucial, but heading into um, the heart of the Big 12 schedule and including OU, um, just keeping those who are healthy, healthy, keeping all the weapons there uh, for the for the, the Horns' disposal. So I, I don't know if that's really a football thing or, a, you know, I sound like a parent right now watching out for my kids. I just don't want them to get hurt, but... <laughs> A win for me is let's keep the injuries minimal. Let's get out of here clean and, and, and get back home. Especially now as Texas seems to be on the mend, right? B.J. Foster's on his way back. Whittington's probably going to play next week against OU. Uh, Colin Johnson, DeMarvian Overshone uh, are, are still on the mend. I think just rest them. Just rest them. Don't don't make them play. Just rest them, right? But, but with those guys coming back, like Texas is going to be as close to full strength as they'll probably be for the remainder of the season. So I'm, I'm again, come out, come out and play hard, play well, early play. And I think if they can play clean, like no dumb penalties, no, like no mental mistakes. Like this is a game where if, if everything goes as planned, uh, they should be able to sharpen their tools uh, before running into the uh, running into running into the rest of the gauntlet because OU's on the horizon. So if this if Texas plays like it can and it should, then this is a let's get everything in a row and, and get everything lined out before OU in Dallas in two weeks. And again, we're not looking ahead, but I think that is what the measure of success for Texas is. Kyle, it's time. It's that time. Let's load the cannon up and fire Smokey. So what do you think? What is your bold prediction for Saturday? I have two, Gerald. And just in case you and I get, you know, um, uh, 
get aligned again where we're saying the same things, I'm going to defer. I'm I'm I won the toss and I'm choosing to defer this week for you to go first and I will use I'll give both if you don't say either of them, but but I'm worried that you're going to say mine, so I'm going to defer so I can go second. Okay, so this is a weird situation for me as the host. Uh, I very rarely <laughs> get to go first, right? Uh, so my my firing Smokey, I think Keontae Ingram goes for 150 and two touchdowns. That is that is my prediction. I think Keontae Ingram gets off this week. I think that's that's my prediction for the week. I had a feeling that you were going to go something similar to there, which is why I let you go first. Because I, I, I wasn't going to say Keontae specifically 150. I like your prediction. I was kind of thinking that UT would beat the average yards per game that they are giving up, which again is 172. So I was going to say 175 stretch goal of 200 on the ground. Now, if that's 150 for Keontae and 50 uh, for Roshan, then then great. Um, but yes, yeah, somewhere between 175 and 200 on the ground. Uh, get Kirk Johnson in there running. I don't, you know, let's let's see it. Um, but because I again hate that. You and I think so much alike, and we keep these black boxed. That it's like uh, we've been friends for a long time, or something. <laughs> we see the same game out there, you know. Um, uh, yeah. Um, so I have a second one prepared just in this moment. So, Gerald, I'm going to start this with a trivia, um, and it doesn't alter anything. Out of our four games this year, La Tech, LSU, Rice, and Oklahoma State, which. Uh, which game do you think uh, Texas had the 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 least missed tackles against? Least on missed defense. tackles against, or on defense, the Texas defense had the, the least amount of missed tackles. Is it LSU? LSU is the is the is the is second out of four. So it is the the there were two teams that had more missed tackles than LSU. Rice obviously was the least. I would have assumed LSU may have been because they shredded us. The most. Um, so in the Rice game, they only missed three tackles. In the LSU game, they missed 12. I was actually surprised in La Tech. That opener was a little sloppy uh, and also a lot of two in there, but they missed 14 tackles. <clears throat> Gerald, according to Pro Football Focus, against Oklahoma State, they missed 27 tackles. That's basically what they had in the first three games combined. And one of those games was against Joe Burrow when he's drinking the Bane juice. So uh, that's wild. And again, I know there was tons of guys pressed because of injury who may not usually be in there, Um, but your, your leading candidates are probably your four best players or four of your best players on defense. Osai had five Stearns had four Coburn had three and Brandon Jones had three again, Chuba Hubbard, is an unbelievable running back. We saw that in the games. He hasn't played Texas. That's going to happen. I think more than that is Spencer Sanders is a freaking eel, and it's hard to get get your hands on him. He's just a slippery, slippery guy. So that caveat aside, my my smoky that I'm firing is that Texas will not put up 20 missed tackles. I do not think they will even get 15, which would be the second most. This will not be more than 15 missed tackles. I would love to see this in single digits this week, which again, 12 against LSU, you can do better than that against West Virginia. So single digit is the stretch goal there, um, but less than 15 for sure. Kyle, you went deep. That's deep analysis. That's the kind of stuff that people come uh, to you specifically for. Definitely not me, but that's that's <laughs> what we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also find the Texas pregamer where I have none of that deep analysis. It is purely, purely 
jokes and ridiculousness. Sometimes I sneak some nuggets in there, but it's mainly jokes and ridiculousness at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can check me out on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds. This week, we're talking about Spider-Man coming back to the MCU and what that means for the future. We'll probably also talk about some other random nerdy stuff because that's what we do. You can follow uh, the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Choose an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We will see you post-game for some analysis and then back on Tuesday for our normal recap podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in again. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Take those horns down and inject them right in my veins. I love it. Love it.